What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast, your morning pitching podcast from PitcherList.com. My name is Nick Pollock, and today is February 26th, and yes, we are going to talk about baseball. There was so much to go over, but most importantly, Cole Reagans is the truth. If you had any doubts, they should be gone now. Not even a camera angle or lack of stack has data can disrupt our love as he was pumping Ched. You can just tell on the broadcast. Apparently, uh, from Lance Brozdowski, a fastball strikeout to Zach Nito was 101 with 20 vert on it. Now, keep in mind, vert can be very up and down. It's not always just always the same thing. It can be something like some pitches are 16, some are 19, and so on. So there's always a range. That said... Reagan's last year was more like a 15-16 vert. Like, he wasn't an exceptional vert guy. So to see 20, oh boy, um, it's very, very exciting. Obviously, uh, you know, 5Ks, two, two innings. It's more about let's just see how it continues on. But my gosh, he looked like the absolute stud. If your worry is injury, I understand it. It's kind of hard. And, you know, you can also mention like the Royals and everything. I think it's important for us to ask, okay, Tyler Glasnow, Cole Reagan's. Uh, Cole Rankins is going to have over a 25% strikeout rate. He's, I think, going to hint at 30%, honestly. And how many more innings do you expect from Glasnow? That is the win total as well from Reagans. I honestly feel like I'm not worried about the injuries. And he goes every five days. Well, Glasnow's more risky. I don't know. You make your own decisions. But this was the coolest inning. Two innings, I should say. It was so fun. It was amazing. Okay. Carlos Rodin uh, was 93 and change instead of 95 and change. We didn't really expect maybe the 95, 96, but we were kind of hoping closer to 95. I mean, the reports were in the bullpen that he was there and now he's not. Uh, Aaron Boone was very supportive in his interview saying like he was doing well, his mechanics are better, etc. Maybe he's just being slow in this first spring game. I'm not going to do anything. Um, I think it's important to understand when it comes to velocity at this point, it's about are they further along than we expected? Right? Are they already at something new? Because generally that's what we see. It's possible we see one game of adrenaline focus and then it comes back. For the more established guys, it's more of like, no, that's the new velocity floor that we should expect. And with even older ones, then it's going to be a ramp up. Rodon, I do expect more of a ramp up. There was also a new cutter from Carlos Rodon that is pretty interesting. It was a 91. It was actually the home run though. And when it came to his locations, nothing was really low. Actually, the cutter was lower than the slider. You want to see the slider lower than the cutter. You want the cutter kind of actually higher up. I don't really want it low. I want it middle in to right-handers. And then you keep the slider down and away to lefties, right? Uh, So uh, that's kind of where my head is at with Rodon. Um, Bowden Francis was on the other side of it. Uh, He still has great IVB. That's cool. Uh, He's learning the Gaussman cutter uh, splitter, apparently. That's fun, but not really high velocity. Didn't look particularly sharp. I don't really think this is that interesting. Mitch White was interesting, though. He's nearly up three ticks velocity down to 96, 97, as opposed to 93, 94. He only threw seven four-seamers, though, and it was not an extended period, so it could have been a lot of max effort stuff. He's probably more meant for the pen doing this. Probably is allowed to, as opposed to kind of more of the... Uh, swingman kind of stuff from Mitch White. Maybe I'm wrong about that one, but I've always kind of thought of him as someone who can go multiple innings at times. Um, but I'm not reading too hard into that because I don't really see Mitch White as a starter. Uh, Marcus Stroman, he was a tick down in his sinker. He was two and a half on his secondaries. Does not matter whatsoever. Stroman's fine. 
Aaron Nola, normal velocity, and he elevated two four-seamers and two strike counts, which I do like, except that all his other ones were away, and same with the sinkers. He actually didn't do any inside sinkers. Two, uh, two right-handers and left-handers, they saw four-seamers away. So, okay. <laughs> like, it was two-seamers away to right-handers, and then four-seamers away to left-handers. You know me, I want high four-seamers all the time. And then I want sinkers to, uh, he can do both kind of with inside and outside to lefties and righties because he can do the front door better than anyone really. Um, you have Cole Irvin. He's up two to three ticks up to, uh, well, I'd say two ticks, I should say, to eight, 94 miles per hour with an 88 mile per hour cutter. That's awesome. Uh, Cole Irvin is currently the SP5 with Grace Rodriguez and Corbin Burns at the top. Then you have Kramer and you have Wells and you have Irvin. That's kind of how we see it with John Means and Kyle Bradish out. So if Irvin is doing this, that's really cool. He doesn't quite have an amazing out pitch yet. And 94 is still, mm, but it does seem like this worked better. And now we, he has a legitimate case for that number five spot that we didn't really know if he was going to soar in before. Doesn't mean like Chase McDermott and, and Dermott and Cade Povich. Those are two I was kind of hoping to see early, but I absolutely imagine the Orioles are going to say, yes, Cole Irvin will, will wait more on those other guys uh, for in the season. Uh, Mitch Keller, he went uh, six four seamers and that's great. No balls in play. That's what we want to see. Saved some of them for two strike counts. I want to see that. I do not want to see lots of four seamers, but I want to see lots of cutters. And what do you know? 38% cutters. Obviously a super small sample. Still, that seems better for me. I want to see that 40% cutter usage from Keller. Then you throw in 40% of, uh, or 30, yeah, 30 to 40% of sliders and curveballs with that. And then you have 20% with your four seamer and sinker. That's a perfect, perfect situation. Um, if you ask me, you have Jose Budo, uh, up a tick, uh, to 95. Um, he's one out of 12 though on those four seamers with whiffs, zero out of 12 on the sinker. Um, sinker focus was inside a lot to right-handers though, and I'm down for that. There's talk of his new sweeper slider that he has over four strikes. They call it a slider inside of, uh, Savant over four strikes. Didn't really have it yet. I don't really see Jose Budo being that kind of guy. It's possible it's a big impact and that makes him above like say Joey Lucchese. He's really the SP6 at this point. Uh, but I kind of feel like he's going to be a best of streaming option randomly and you're crossing your fingers. And I don't really think this extra velocity is it, but maybe that sweeper does wake up. Mackenzie Gore, he's up a tick to 96 miles per hour. That's really cool, especially considering that the locations were higher than usual on that fastball and that opened things up downstairs. If that sticks with that velocity and that focus upstairs, Mackenzie Gore is legit. It's just that I don't really believe the Nats are encouraging that. So that's the question mark for Mackenzie Gore for me. I really hope it does stick because him at 96, good fastball shape. Plus you have solid secondaries. It just needs to be upstairs. If it's not upstairs, then it's just not really going to work. Jesus Lazardo, nothing new here. Still at 96. That's fine. I don't really love a cedar. It's just kind of the thing. I would say that to improve from last year, sliders need to be better located down and they were here and that's cool. Davey Garcia showed up in that White Sox game for 23 pitches. He was 95-96 on his four-seamer, but not the best command with it. Didn't really have the best IVB. I think we put that one to bed. And we have uh, a lot of guys to talk about that I got reports on that were not stack cast focused. Those are all stack cast things. I'm going to talk about all those games 
a ton of them. Not the Rockies and Brewers game, because that's Colin Ray fanning to an inning, whatever. Okay, keep note at least Colin Ray's performance to see if he's going to earn a rotation spot over the other options in Milwaukee. But there are some really, really interesting ones that I do want to get to. And of course, reviewing today's games. And we're going to get to all of that after this break. In the Padres game, we had Randy Vasquez. He was fine. Uh, and then Drew, Drew Thorpe uh, had some good change-ups. Uh, I think he needs a little bit more. There's a lot of focus on those change-ups, and that's a good thing. But yeah, he's he's not exceptional. He's not really that, that electric. It's nice to have that change-up, but I just don't think everything else is so great that when Drew Thorpe does get his opportunities, he's going to excel. I do want to know that it is nice pitching for the Padres. That is going to help him, and maybe... When he does arrive, he might be that kind of Michael Walker replacement in that regard. Um, is his command as good as Michael Walker's? Probably not. Uh, but that might make him actually a 12-team viable Toby-esque kind of pitcher when he does. As far as Randy Vasquez goes, I think he is going to be in that rotation. And as long as he doesn't mess up, which he didn't hear, um, he will be. So keep that in mind. Uh, Javier Assad also pitched uh, 1.1 innings, 2 and runs, 3 hits, 2 walks. This was on the other side for the Cubs. Yeah, he's fighting for that spot against uh, Jordan Wicks, maybe even Caleb Killian, Wisniewski, and Smiley. This is not helping his case. Hunter Brown, um, nothing really to note there in that one. Didn't really look that incredible. There were moments when his fastball looked, um, you know, overwhelming, but I don't, I need more data to really solidify that one. Uh, Lucas Giolito, this is a very interesting one because I might be more in on Lucas Giolito now. There's a lot of, a uh, hypothesis about Giolito and w- how he'll show up and stuff. And I didn't really expect him to be anything different. However, uh, the report is that in the first inning, I don't have the second. I just have one tweet that says the first inning, Lucas Giolito, instead of averaging 93 as he did last year, and actually it was really 92 to 93 in 2022, he was averaging 95, not hitting. He sat 95, they said in the first inning. Um, and apparently he has a new slider for, that he's tweaked with Andrew Bailey. So that's a huge deal, if that is true. Absolutely monitor that one. Uh, you have a good situation for Giolito. Also, I say this a lot, you need pitchers that are in control and command and are generally executing what they want to do. Giolito is a composed pitcher on the mound. That is a big benefit in my view as well. So... If he's sitting 94 even, not even 95, if he's just comfortably sitting 94 moving forward, Lucas Giolito, I'm in. I'm actually going to then up him in my rankings uh, inside, uh, I'd say probably my top 45, um, and and go a little bit more than that uh, upside tier that he currently is, which is like the 50s or so. Because I don't really see why I wouldn't prefer him um, over, say, like Jordan Montgomery. It's just like, yeah, he's going to go six innings constantly. He's going to get lots of volume. It's not going to be the greatest thing ever necessarily. There is some upside, I guess, for more. But I don't really think he's a four-plus ERA with a 125 whip if he's sitting 94-95 at this point. Uh, Bailey Ober's on the other side. He had a bad box score, but he looked fine. There were some errors and weird stuff. Don't worry. Um, he's working on a slider a little bit. He earned a strikeout with it. That's nice against Devers. But yeah, Bailey Ober seems like Bailey Ober. Okay. Wilkman Gonzalez was also here. I saw him pitch an inning. Uh, he has a good heater. And he has a questionable breaker. I feel like there's a little polish left to be added when it comes to overall command. So and we'll see as he arrives more and we get more data and stuff like that. But um, that's a prospect to be aware of. I'm sure we'll see that name again later this year. The breaker, uh, I, I remember, I believe that the changeup was something uh, I should have looked at my notes when I did my top 100 prospects. But if I remember correctly, Wilkman had a changeup uh, that was interesting. 
We didn't see that in this one, at least I didn't. Or if I did, it was hard to tell because of the terrible camera angle. Uh, Brian Bayo pitched in the other game. Uh, I didn't get anything from him outside of that he was two innings and three Ks, and I got nothing on a slider. So one over the uh, one bird eye view uh, video that was a, clearly a changeup away. And of course, it's Brian Bayo. Uh, Bryce Elder on the other side uh, for Atlanta 1.1 innings of two and runs, four hits, and one walk. Uh, not, again, nothing really to report, but if he's bad. And, you know, nothing for you to change here, I guess. But if he's bad, I mean, the Braves do have options and someone else could steal that spot theoretically um, if Elder is just not worthwhile. Uh, you have Hunter Green, uh, 1.2 innings of four strikeouts. Pretty awesome to see that. Apparently he was, uh, he hit 98 is what they said. So he's not pushing it too much. Um, not hitting like 100 or so, but that's okay. That's kind of smart, honestly, for him not to overwhelm himself given his injury history. Now, the curveball he tried a couple times, it was, quote, iffy, but he said to the Cincinnati Inquirer, quote, the split was fantastic today, and he also said it was unbelievable. That's cool. Uh, he's using it as a lefty weapon. I'm glad it worked today, and that's really how I see it, is like, Hunter Green having an extra weapon against lefties, that's fine, because the four-seamer is worse against it. That's okay. Uh, I guess it's, you know, with Hunter Green, I feel as if the uh, having a cutter, to throw strikes with is more important. The curve, I can understand too. The curve, I don't really think is the answer. The split can help here because his four-seamer generally does get strikes. It gets too many. And a slider is, for the most part, getting a lot of strikes. I think the best world of Hunter Green is where both his slider and his fastball have above a 65% strike rate. And then he also is able to work in this splitter and make it a 55% thing. Make it like a Kodai Senga thing. Um... Uh, just like, don't throw this in the zone. Do I trust that Hunter Green is going to be able to do that? Not necessarily, but this does help Hunter Green. It's not like it is with Bryce Miller, which I think is a bigger question mark of his ability outside of that new splitter, which I'm very curious to see how that happens, uh, develops for him later on in spring. But uh, yeah, I am going to raise up Hunter Green from like 71. I can see this being a little bit more of a nullifier. Now, he's still in Cincinnati, so that's going to be a detriment for him. But yeah, no, I, I already said that. Actually, I think I wrote in the notes for uh, the, the podcast over the weekend that I'm probably going to have Hunter Green closer to 60. I probably will have him a little higher than that. There are just so many guys, and it's kind of hard for me to discern who do I really want to have or not. So Hunter Green, yeah, I, I imagine a lot. some people are going to get him. He's going to have a lot of really good games. He's going to have some really bad games. He's going to be kind of uh, a little annoying to deal with this year, or maybe his splitter is just so good they find some consistency, I hope. It's the latter. Uh, Julian Aguilar also was in this game. Uh, I'm looking forward to watching him on TV. It was two innings of two strikeouts. That's all I got. Uh, apparently one, two, three in the first. Um, we have three Kyles. We have Kyle Hurt versus Kyle Muller. Uh, Kyle Hurt inning uh, pitched uh, for the Dodgers. He looked fine. I wasn't blown away. I was kind of hoping to be, and I really wasn't. But then again, the camera goes so bad. Such a bad camera angle for those Dodgers uh, athletics games. Uh, that we're seeing um, Kyle Muller on the other side, three strikeouts in two innings, uh, including Freddie Freeman on a breaking ball. That's kind of cool. He allowed a home run to Outman, though, on a, to another lefty with a breaking ball. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm not putting any stock in that. But that's hey, that's cool for Kyle Muller. Um, hopefully he has actually developed some sort of real breaking ball that can get whiffs finally. But I don't have any velocity numbers or anything like that. So whatever. Then there's Cal Harrison. And this one is getting a lot of people... At least from what I saw, um, Giants fans mostly, but still a lot of them are getting really excited because it was two innings clean outside of a hit by pitch um, to Evan Carter, um, who's apparently fine. Um, four strikeouts. And I only have one report, which is um, Alex Pavlovich uh, getting a quote from Tom Murphy, the catcher, 
saying about Kyle Harrison, quote, he was really explosive today. I feel like every guy up there was saying that they felt like they had no chance against his fastball. He could have thrown that every pitch. Now, Kyle Harrison was sitting 93-94. He had apparently better command than usual. I don't know. I don't think that Kyle Harrison's a good command guy. And I'm happy that he felt it today. That's nice. I'm going to have to see more of this. But this is a very small sample size against spring training batters. And we all kind of know that, like, Kyle Harrison can do well in strikeout batters um, when they're not quality. But I think good major league at-bats can deal with uh, Kyle Harrison a lot easier. Andrew Heaney, two innings, five Ks. He threw sliders for strikes. And that's what he said in an interview after. And when asked, hey, what are you working on this spring? He says, I just a general ramp up. And uh, that's really the focus. He said that he liked that uh, fastballs were at the bottom of the zone, which I don't want because you have a really flat arm angle. That is a 1.5 height adjusted VAA. That is elite. And if you do that, that means you go upstairs. And we know last year he raised his high locations to like 62% and had a lot of swing strikes on it. And it was, uh, I think, the lowest ICR he's had on his fastball in ages. That was like 37%, supposed to like the 40s and 50s he's had. Heaney, that's how it works, buddy. Uh, I want to hear more about the slider and the changeup. And it's nice to throw the sliders for strikes. So that's cool. I'm not really expecting this to be outside the cherry bomb nature that we already know. And lastly, there's Tyler Beatty. I know this sounds silly. Because he went one inning, uh, 1.1 innings, I should say, four outs with a home run and a walk, but two strikeouts. I watched it. He has solid command. Like, I remember before Tyler Beatty, we saw some ridiculous walks and all that kind of stuff. Uh, he has really good fastball command. And I watch guys all the time. And I can honestly tell you the ones I'm most interested in are the ones that actually have a game plan and they execute it and they are you know, they're precise. Like they actually say, cool, I'm going to go fastball around this area. And he does that. And then he does a slider. It's around this area. And it feels so much more compact and consistent. Um, this was good. I don't have any sort of velocity number. I don't have any sort of pitch shape stuff. I don't really have a good sense of the breaking balls. However, I wouldn't be surprised if some team, because this is the Guardians and he'd be SP what? Like seven at best? Because you have Carlos Carrasco as SP six. This is the best Tyler beating. I mean, you have like Hunter Gaddis there too. You have Xavier Curry, etc. So I imagine another team, if the Guardians are not going to hold on to BD, uh, would swoop him up like the Pirates, the Nationals. You know, if they're feeling like the bottom of the rotations aren't good or, you know, the Giants have Keaton Wynn and Tristan Beck as their four and five right now. Just something to throw out there. Um, looking at starters later today. Uh, that is Nestor Cortez. We're going to watch him. Hopefully he is looking good and healthy. Uh, Yusei Kikuchi, I really hope he's throwing high four seamers with intent. You have Ronzi Contreras. I hope that he has his fastball of 2022. I have a tweet out um, about his fastball shape from 2022 and how much worse it was in 2023. And if Contreras actually returns that 2022 four seamer shape, he has an elite slider too. Those two things combined can actually really, really work. Um, and I hope we see that. Uh, Mason Black. He's a cool Giants prospect. I'm really excited to just get a look at him. Griffin Canning, I hope that he's throwing uh, sub-35% four-seamers. Uh, Luis Castillo, I just hope he's dope. And Andrew Abbott, uh, does he have good command? I mean, I just feel like, what is Andrew Abbott's approach as a high fastballs with curveballs and sliders and changeups? Is that it? I don't really know. I just kind of want to watch and see how he is. And lastly, Joe Musgrove's going to go again, and we just want to hope that he's healthy and hopefully survive an inning, but really just be healthy. That's that's all we need, Musgrove. You're going to be fine otherwise. All right, that is it for today. Thank you all so much for your support. Go get PL Pro Lifetime if you haven't yet. We are going to be closing its doors rather shortly. 
uh, for a moment. So go get that while you still can and get all the things that we offer from all of our draft tools and all the future benefits that and additions that we're going to have to PL Pro, which uh, I'm working on all of today. Um, but that is it. So my name is Nick Pollock and may your babbits be low and your strikeouts high.